0: On the tee from the United States of America, the Back Nine Bros. Starting in three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We're happy to have you here, even though we don't know if you're actually there or not. It's like Netflix. Are you still watching? Um, but. If you haven't checked out last week's episode, it was with the one and only Dottie Pepper, a former LPGA champ, now turned CBS um, golf commentator. Uh, She's fantastic. It was a great episode with her, but now we look forward to this week. Um, You're getting this episode on a Friday. Friday plus back nine bros. What does that equal? Uh, For me, it's a fantastic weekend. I don't know about you guys. Just let us know what you think about that. Um, But... We're gonna get into this interview slash conversation with a NCAA Division One women's golfer from Yale University. She is wise beyond her years and was just an overall great person to talk to. Really down to earth and um, kind. So enough of my blabber and chit chat and meanless banter. We're gonna hop into this right here, right now, back nine bro style. Let's get this stuff started. We now welcome Ami Ganchandani to the Back Nine Bros podcast. Ami, how's everything going? How are you?
1: Hi, yeah, I'm, I'm great. Um, and you know, this year is pretty crazy, so I'd say overall I'm, I'm thankful to be a golfer um, and feel fortunate that I can play almost every day.
0: So before we get into everything, Ami, um, can you just tell the li- listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure, yeah. So I... Uh, I'm from New Jersey. Uh, I lived in Wachung. um, And I started playing golf uh, when I was five years old. Um, I played in my first tournament when I was about nine years old. And I'd say that's when I started taking golf uh, seriously. Um, After that, I, you know, started putting in more work into lessons and playing more tournaments. And by the end of middle school, I I had committed myself to golf and decided that I wanted to be a a college golfer. And since then, it's been a lot of ups and downs, um, a lot of practice sessions, a lot of missed cuts, um, but a lot of fun as well.
0: I mean, that's, that sounds like everybody, what they'd want their, um, start to golf and what their experience is. But unfortunately, most of our listeners here at the back nine bros do not have, um, an enjoyable time on the course. I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself. I really do not know anymore. Um, but we're going to kick it off with some real questions here. So, Ami, you're at Yale university. Um, So what separates you? So we're going to actually go back to your first year um, where you had a a standout year, low round 66. You finished fourth overall at the Ivy league championship. You won the Pinehurst invitational. I mean, I could go on and on. We'd be here probably till the snow stops falling tomorrow in New Jersey. Um, But, so, like, what separates you from others in the Ivy League?
1: Yeah, I would uh, first say that um, there's a there's a ton of amazing golfers out there, um, especially in the Ivy League. The competition is is really tight, and it's it's anyone's game any day. Um, and in addition to that, we've had a lot of teams kind of rotate in and out of being contenders at that stage. Um, but I'd say uh, a big thing that you know, I feel that I have that maybe not every other golfer in the Ivy League has is uh, a desire to take golf past college. Um, A lot of the girls will fully dedicate themselves in college and then pursue other careers um, in whatever fields uh, they choose. But, you know, I see, I see college not only as a big uh, period in my life where I can, you know, work on my game and, and play against a lot of top players, but it is still a stepping stone to the next level, um, which I think a lot of Ivy league golfers don't want to pursue after that though good enough. And they have, you know, what it takes to get there, but maybe not the desire to do that.
2: Yeah. And so sounds like professional golf is in the works for you, which is awesome because to have a player like you and um, hopefully a future LPG player on is quite special, but I'm just curious, you talked a little bit about your college career so far, was there anything that you learned once you got to college that you kind of wish you knew uh, when you were a junior player, or do you feel like you kind of were already immersed in, in a competitive atmosphere given how good of a player you are?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, if you ask any college student, regardless of they're an athlete or a golfer um, or anything, they're going to tell you college is going to knock you down. Uh, It's going to knock you down several times in several different ways. um, And it's going to be tough, Uh, you know, whether that's a test, your your life outside of golf and extracurriculars whatever it is it's it's going to throw a lot of curveballs at you and you're going to have to learn how to deal with all of that mostly on your own um you know which a lot of us experience on a micro level uh in high school and in junior golf and all of that but you know i'd say there's there's a lot more going on in college and having having the drive and determination to get past all those obstacles um, and, you know, get up after each time you play a bad round, miss a tournament, uh, anything like that, that's going to be essential to keep you going, especially in college where it's you've got school to worry about. You've got your um, hours of dedication on the golf course to, to put in as well.
2: Yeah. And given that it's such a struggle for some people um, and really the majority, especially if you're an athlete, you have to juggle so many things. Was it ever, like did I mean obviously Yale and Ivy League school one of the best in the country, did you ever feel overwhelmed with the with the coursework or or going in did you know man like I'm a great golfer I'm a great student I'm gonna be able to ha- uh, manage this,
1: yeah it's uh it's it's interesting because no matter how prepared you are you know you're always gonna have those times where it's like, there's too much on my plate right now. I can't handle all of this. Um, and, you know, you sort of know that going in. And, and I sort of accepted that when I decided, you know, I'm going to go to Yale. I realized this is not going to be easy. There are going to be a lot of all-nighters and, and, you know, making a decision, you know, do I sleep before my round or do I study for my exam on, on Monday? And at times, at, at a lot of times, it does feel overwhelming. Um, but I'd say you learn sort of how to handle that and you decide what's important to you. And, you know, that's different for every person. So it's just a matter of finding that balance.
3: So um, Ami, <clears throat> we know that you're take, decided to take a gap year and, um, you know, take the time to work on your game. So what was the biggest influencer on making that decision?
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, with everything going on, the, the main reason why I decided to take a gap year was because of all the uncertainty surrounding the, the college golf season. Um, you know, last year our our team had a really good shot at winning Ivies and possibly making, uh, NCAA championships. And, you know, that was devastating to, to have that cut short. So I'd say the biggest factor was just, I really love playing golf tournaments with my team and I didn't want to do an entire year of school and, and miss out on all of that. Um, and as, you guys probably can attest to online school just is not that much fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, it sucks. It's <laughs> absolutely miserable. Um, and I honestly, I, I just have a quick comment here. Like, I respect that decision um, a lot in regard to like wasting a year of eligibility possibly. Now you can really use this time to work on your game and the like, online school is absolutely miserable. If any educator is listening to this, I feel bad for the teachers as well. Um, one thing though, like you, that uncertainty that you talked about, like as like any, like a golfer, we hate uncertainty. We hate variable factors that might throw things off, but how do you work with like, like in your own game? Like if you're uncertain on something, like what's your fallback with like for confidence? I mean, I'm trying to think of a way to elaborate this better, but, um, like say you're like 150 out and the wind is a huge variable and it's constantly swirling. Are you going to like, like try and like throw something in there, like to try and step on a ball? Are you just going to like swing easy and let that ball fall where it may?
1: Yeah, my, my team can can back me up on this. They make fun of me because I hit such a low flighted golf ball. So when I'm in, you know, stress situations, stuff like that, I just I go to that, um, you know, because I know, even if I miss it, it's going to be in the vicinity of the green. And then I'd say when I When I get under pressure in tournaments the only thing I really think about is just put the next shot where you're supposed to put the next shot not necessarily an exact target but it's just like all right hit the fairway and that's it just hit the fairway or on the if I'm 150 out don't even look at the pin don't look at the bunkers just hit the middle of the green go for the biggest part of the green and you know that's sort of that's sort of how I think when I'm under pressure um, and, you know, and then don't really know what's going to happen is just, you know, do the one right thing that I know I can do on this shot.
3: Yeah. yeah. I'm on that, because I play a low golf ball too, and my trajectory, especially off the tee is pretty low. So, and I know in conditions like British open type, um, it's, it's a good, uh, little trait to carry. So, you know, that's that as my fellow bros here will always banter me, especially, uh, the bigger dude with the hat on over there. He'll uh he'll always get some fire going in my head. Yeah, um, your ball flight. I mean, it, your ball flight's literally a
0: lawnmower. Sorry to be rude or mean hey, in any man. way, but you worm gotta burners. call a spade a spade. He hits you gotta burners, call a spade a spade here.
2: He hits worm burners, but he, he grinds out a good score. So at the end of the day, it's oh, okay.
0: wrap out the yeah. number, that's all that matters. Good score? I've never heard of it. What's a good score?
2: <laughs> um, But um, Ami, yeah, I wanted to go back a quick second. You know, I think, Uh, So asked you a bit about how you handle pressure on the course. And in this day and age, there's so much information out there for for juniors, for college kids. That's like you need to train this hard. You need to practice this hard. And it seems that burnout and, you know, whether it's pressure on the course or pressure off the course is is much more. um, You know, it happens more often. So whether you know, I know uh, we touched upon when you're on the course. But if you're ever struggling, you know, you maybe have a month or two where you're not playing too great. Uh, do you ever have like a, a set of routines that you go back to in your practice? Because I feel like a lot of juniors out there don't really have this kind of structure, but you know, a high level college player like you, I'm sure you kind of have those things that you revert back to when you need to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think every golfer goes through those lulls where it's like, they can't, you just can't seem to do anything right. And it's, it's just everything feels off and you're like, why, like what's happening to me? Why is this happening? But I'd say the main thing that I try to do is just go back to the most basic of basics. I'll spend half an hour just looking at just the grip. That's it. I won't hit a single golf fault. Just make sure my grip is where it needs to be. After that, just another half an hour on the setup. Just are my feet right, are my knees right? Are my hips right? Are my shoulders correct? Um, you know, with my head out of line or, or something like that. And that's sort of what I go back to because it's just it's amazing how many swing problems can be fixed just with, you know, your grip and your setup that can set you up to, to let your body like do what it knows how to do. You've been training it for years and years. So it doesn't make sense for it to fall this much out of whack, unless something very early on is just triggering everything.
3: So Ami, um, we understand that you are a statistics major here at Yale. So do you think that the deep understanding of numbers also comes into play with your training and the way you play golf.
1: Yeah, I think it, it absolutely helps. Um, I think it's a big advantage at least for me, um, because it does, it does play a big role in my strategy on the golf course. You know, I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know, when I feel under pressure, I just focus on hitting greens because, you know, I can, I can go through my stats and see that's the most important thing to me, to my game. If I can hit a green, I'm pretty confident I can two putt, you know, from anywhere on the green. But, you know, if I start missing greens, then it's just constant pressure chips and pressure putts nonstop. So I think the the understanding of statistics has definitely helped me strategize my game and, and sort of learn when in, in certain situations, maybe it's not a good idea to just focus on hitting the green here. Maybe this is a pin that you should attack. Um, yeah, have you
2: ever done decade golf? I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's like a sort of like a system, like you touched upon, where it's like percentages based on where the pin is and the green. Um, But yeah, like you said, I think a lot of colleges, especially in the last 10 years or so, have gone to whether it's aim point for greens or whether it's looking at your stats with uh, proximity and whatnot. It's a great thing. And, And for anybody out there who wants to improve, like just saying, oh, I hit 10 out of 15 or 10 out of 14 fairways today. And I hit 11 greens like that's not going to do you much. I feel like what you touched upon where you really need to dive deeply into what you're doing well, what you're doing poorly and obviously being a statistics major probably helps. But I think it's so important. And it's, in my opinion, probably one of the factors that is setting you apart so far in your college career.
1: Yeah, I, I hope it's going to going to start making a big difference soon, um, especially considering how much time I put into, you know, recording all my stats and, and going through all of them. But I think it's a great tool to have. And um, I've often wrestled with the idea of am I a, like a numbers golfer where it's like every decision I make is going to be based on the facts or am I more of a field golfer? Because, you know, some golfers step up to it and they just see the shot they feel it and then they execute it and they don't have to look at anything and they don't consider anything. And I think, um, at least for me, I've tried to find a balance of in-between where sort of having, you know, a few principles that just can't be broken on both sides of the feel and the numbers where it's like, you know, I should never ever go against my gut because that's just, that's gonna be a bad shot. But I should also, never ever make a decision so poor that I have like less than a 5% chance of, of getting it where I want to get it. So, um, a lot of people, I think comment on, you know, are you a numbers golfer? Are you a field golfer? Um, and stuff like that. And I think, you know, a lot of people are in between and, and it's valuable to sort of experiment with both and see where you fit there.
0: I mean, it's everyone's different. Um, everyone's different in everything they do, so that feeling the field golfer versus the number golfer just depends on, I guess, a lot of external factors that will work for you, but probably will not work for someone else. Like, if say Matt's a numbers golfer, um, I don't even know how to do simple addition, so I would be more of a field golfer, but um, Ami, so like. We on this podcast, we've had uh, Ben Shear um, from Ben Shear Golf Fitness. We've had Karen Noble um, and Dottie Pepper. So, two LPGA tour professionals, former and um, Ben Shear, who works with a lot of tour professionals. Uh, a little like precursor here is that uh, when we had like, Coach Kano, Karen Noble, on the podcast, she was talking about how she when she was playing she was a total range rat and she never really focused on golf fitness at all and then ben sheer i mean that's the only thing we talked about with Ben, was just golf fitness golf fitness mobility all that good stuff um wh- in like your mind like what are like some like important like not like you don't have to go into specifics but like muscle groups or um different type of workouts or where do you feel that um the workouts that you do help you out in like your golf yeah sport?
1: golf is uh isn't is a unique sport because of just like the the physical demands that it has, which are you know higher in some areas and a lot lower in a lot other in other areas compared to other sports. Um, but I'd say a big part of what I've been focusing on recently is kind of preventing injury and muscle tightness and and stuff like that that you know you start to feel while you're playing, then that can screw up your whole swing. So a lot of what I've been doing recently has been taking care of that and strengthening those really weak muscles in your body that sort of need to help facilitate the movements of the bigger muscles. Um, But overall, in general, I'd say, I I try to train a lot of explosive stuff, power stuff, um, and everything like that, because as I'm sure you guys talked about uh, with Ben, you know, distance is everything nowadays especially you know if you're a girl and you can hit it 270 off the tee it's it's an enormous advantage um and and i have seen it definitely in in tournaments where you know i'll have an average on an average par four i'll have a a nine iron in and you know a lot of other girls will have a six iron or five iron in, and that makes a huge difference over the course of 18 holes in terms of, you know, how many greens you can hit and how close you can really get it to the pin. So, um, but I am, I am a big gym rat. Um, I love going in there. I love lifting with my team. Uh, I, I, I love all the meathead exercises like, you know, bench press and deadlift and squat and all of that, but uh, as well as the, the lesser, The lesser known less sexy exercises like single leg you know work and then some core stability and and all of that
0: i mean you're so you say yeah you're having like a nine iron and some girls are having like a six iron in on par four i mean i think you're i think you're chasing the wrong dream i think maybe um a long drive championship might be a better thing for you going forward but uh i think i cut off cole there so bobo why don't you uh go ahead and uh
3: you know what, Sol? Yeah, I'm sorry about thing that. Before you uh, head over to Bow, um, Ami, I think you need to uh, teach Sully and I, um, or just show us a thing or two in the gym. You got because we're one. <laughs> very, we're ones to be very reluctant to go. You um, know, uh, we have those low back issues, especially right off the first tee. I know you deal with that, Sol, every day sitting in that chair. I
0: mean, okay, yeah, it's kind of tough though. Like, like I wish like I had the same time for like time frame a day or time horizon that Ami does with like being able to work out all the time. It's fr- for me, it's like, or it was classes for the, this fall classes are like a couple hours a day and then working an internship. I mean, that's more hours sitting in a desk. And then maybe I'll be able to get out after all that's done and go hit range balls, 130 balls. And I leave and sit down in the car and I'm like sitting down. I'm like, why is my lower back feel so tight? But Bobo, do you still remember your question since Matt and I went on a little tangent there?
2: Yeah, you guys are just going into nowhereville. But uh, I wanted to go back. Ami, you touched upon you like the like the meathead exercises, and it's so it's so in tune with golf today because we have Bryson who's drinking like thirty protein shakes a day. He might be three hundred pounds by the time we uh, we get the PGA Tour back in in March or whenever. But and then obviously you have people like Lexi Thompson on the LPGA who are super physically fit as well. Uh, but I wanted to touch upon like pre round things because everybody out there is, is doing the work, at least at your level in the gym and whatnot. Um, but I feel like not a lot of people have a a good pre-round routine. You know, maybe it's just doing a little stretching here or there. I know we, we last year when Tiger won the masters, he had a a 9am tea time and he said he was up at 3am. So is there anything you do specifically before a big round just to get your body and, and, and your mind going?
1: Yeah. And I'd I'd say I really only learned this through experience and I'm still, still learning this about myself because, you know, as you guys mentioned earlier, everyone's different. So for me, I love early morning tea times, like definitely 7am put me out there. Let me wake up and go. Cause I feel like that's when I'm the most focused. Um, you know, what really gets to me is like a one o'clock tea time where I feel like I have so many hours just in the morning of, of doing what, um, but you know, during that time, I'll, I'll try to keep myself active, keep myself moving, like don't sit down, don't sleep in, don't lay down for all that time, um, kind of just get your blood flowing, keep it going, uh, do some stretches, foam roll, all of that. But um, in, in my warm-up routine in general, I have a, a set list of things to do, but for each one of them, I do it until I feel good. So that changes every single day. You know, on the range, I have to hit pitching wedge. I always start with pitching wedge, um, but I just hit that until I feel good. Could be one shot, could be 15 shots. And same thing with driver. If I hit, if I go up there and I hit one drive on the range and I'm like, okay, that's great. That's perfect. Then I'll just go straight out of that. Um, So for me, it's just a matter of do everything on my list until I feel like that was good. Like that was good preparation for the round.
3: So, Ami, so you're coming off um, a little cutoff season at Yale, right, because of the, the pandemic. So what's the, um, your upcoming schedule look like? I know you, you actually have a tournament tomorrow um, in, in Florida. So what, what else is um, coming up for you?
1: Yep, I have a, a few more lined up in Florida. One will be right before the new year, and then another will be right after the new year. Um, the first one's the the Harder Hall and the second is the Orlando International Amateur. Um, this will be my third year playing in the in Orlando International Amateur. So looking forward to both of those. Um, and then after that, I'm sort of just probably gonna take a week or two uh, just to work on my swing again, kind of get back into the groove of of practicing and working out, take a little time off tournaments. And then after that, just see what people throw on the schedule. Um, Cause a lot of the 2021 schedules aren't out yet. so. Um, wait for that to come out. And then in the long run, I've got the U S women's four ball with my teammate from school uh, in April. So I'm really psyched about that. This is my first time playing in a a four ball.
3: That's really exciting. So um, we wish you the best of luck in that. Um, I know Saul, Saul, you had something to add.
0: I mean, we just talked a lot about um, like some nitty gritty golf stuff. um, And yeah, we'll definitely be rooting for you come April in that four ball. We'll have our Yale gear on. I know uh, Cole said he'd buy it for us because uh, he's gonna be our money man when we're older. But, uh, I
2: not say that, that, but if it's to support Ami, maybe maybe I'll make an exception.
0: <laughs> that was all all in good fun. Just kidding about that. To anyone that might uh, grind their gears, but so Ami, uh, we're doing a jump away from golf here. Uh, if there was a movie about you, say like fast forward thirty, like twenty to thirty years down the road. Um, and there was uh, some production company, let's just say Warner brothers came to you and was like, Hey, we want to make a movie. You have full, full control over who is casted to play you. Who are you picking and why?
1: I think I would pick, um, Emma Watson just cause I really like, I really like everything she does. Um, you know, I, at first it was Harry Potter. I love Harry Potter. So I love seeing her in that, um, and then, you know, Beauty and the Beast, the live action one, and, and a lot of other things she's done. I think she's great. So
0: oh, I don't know. I though. Mean, we were just talking about, sorry to cut you off. We were just talking about Harry Potter, guys.
3: Yeah, I, we I, just I brought it up. Bo into it. Bo, somehow this kid has never seen Harry Potter in his life. I was never into it. I don't know.
2: Whenever I was a kid, like all I would read was like a 30 page book on like football. I didn't care. So you finally got me into to Harry Potter recently. And I got to say. These movies are awesome. I'm like I'm way late to the game, so you have yeah, good you taste Tommy. me.
3: Right, care, we got Prisoner of Azkaban tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, we're watching Azkaban tomorrow. We got the whole setup. Like, we're prepared. We watched, I don't even remember what the first one, Sorcerer's Stone and then Chamber of Secrets. Our We've secrets, got yeah. the whole, keep we have going, like the let's whole go. game plan set up. We are ready to go, but that's a good choice. Emma Watson can't go wrong i like that pick i don't know yeah, quick I, honestly thing honestly i was thinking the same route as that like ambitious people hermione ami like they go hand in hand i don't know what do you guys think
0: actually a funny thing about uh emma watson my sister's friend went to brown um at the same ta- time that emma watson did and i think they were in like some historical studies class and she answered a question and some like Frankster, jokester in the back of the room after she answered the question and got it right said 10 points for Gryffindor like that and everyone started dying laughing but the last question that we have for you tonight Ami is what does the game of golf mean to you take it any way you want um it's a deep question it's a little philosophical but however you want to answer go ahead
1: yeah um yeah that's a big one I'd say you know, it started out as just something my whole family could do together. um, And it was just fun. And, you know, we made it, we made it go by quickly, we teed up in the middle of the fairway, we played scramble, we played alternate shot, all of that. Um, But over the years, uh, I've discovered that I'm an extremely competitive person. And, you know, I want to win, I want to win everything from a parking spot to the Masters, like everything in between. I am, hundred percent into that. Um, so golf has now become uh, a, just a passion of mine because it is, I think, you know, the perfect outlet where you can use use everything in your body, all your energy, and and put it into you know some great athletic competition that you know lasts four or five hours and is comprised of seventy plus shots, um, and and it's just become something that I I love to like struggle through you know you say in order to be great you have to like love that pain and love the love the the not so glamorous parts of it and I would say I'm I'm still learning to do that but you know it's the competition and the aspect of you can go out and just try to beat yourself every time try to beat the course every time um and you know there's, there's not really a ceiling you can always get better
0: I mean, that's much better than the answer I was expecting. Like I, if someone asked me that question, like, what is golf? I would have just said, well, it's a four letter word. You hit a little white ball around uh, a field and you try and get the lowest score possible. So that's what golf is, but
2: Place no, for you mean, to shoot 95 soul. Yeah. that's
0: <laughs> Okay. Okay. Guys, we're not getting personal right now. We got to wrap things up. Um, this was the back nine bros podcast. Um, We are going to be back next week. Thank you very much, Ami, for your time. And we look forward to um, talking with you in the future. Uh, When you get huge on the LPGA Tour and in the game of golf, just remember, we were your start in interviews and podcasts. So keep us in your back pocket and we'll always be there for you. So thank you very much, Ami. And everyone, I hope you have a great week. Christmas is around the corner. And uh, the holiday season is in full swing. So yeah, that's it for us. And uh, be on the lookout next week. Thank you very much. On the tee from the United States of America, the Back Nine Bros.